so good to see you this morning. It's good to gather on Christmas. I think this only happens like once every seven years or something like that. So it's good to be here. It's good to hear the the wiggles and the cries and the noises of the little ones as we as we gather on Christmas. We're reminded that the church is full of full of the mature and the young, and it's good to hear all that and to realize that our church is alive and growing uh, because of all these little <laughs> voices. Uh, this morning we're going to be less sermon and uh, more uh, monologue, uh, and so I invite you to. Uh, reflect and think on this Christmas morning about what it is to wait and to long. Kids waiting for Christmas, uh, you're a month out and it seems like it's going to be an eternity before Christmas gets here. Every day counting, imagining what that morning will be like when you run down the stairs or run to your living room. Imagining the gifts you might receive and how you will play and eat and play some more. How it could be more magical than the year before. And each passing day crawls by so slowly and it seems like Christmas will never come. All of us know that feeling of waiting. It's been the story really of our whole lives. It's been the story of the world. Since the fall of the world, the world has been waiting. Since that first promise that a son would come to crush the head of that vile serpent, the world has been waiting. Through the days of Noah and through the flood, the world had been waiting. Through Abraham and the promise that God would bless the world through his family, the world had been waiting. Through fighting to obtain the promised land, through a time of rebellion rebellion and the sending of judges, Though finally getting a king through David, the world was still waiting. Through a divided kingdom, through military defeat, through exile, and through slavery, the world waited. Though prophets foretold of the day when the king would come and the government would sit on his shoulders, and he would be called Prince of Peace, Wonderful Counselor, and even Mighty God, yet still the world waited. The world watched as men appeared who, and for a moment, they thought, maybe this is the one. When Samson, with his mighty strength, crushed the Philistines. When David, with no armor and nothing but a sling, crushed the head of their enemy. When a good king named Josiah brought Israel out of idolatry. And again and again, there arose men who looked and acted the part. But to no avail, they were no snake crusher. They were no messiah. They were but mere shadows and echoes of that one for which the world continued to wait. And then as the world waited, the shadows stopped. And even the prophets stopped speaking. 400 years of silence with no prophets, no miracles, no mighty works of God, just the eerie sound of silence as the world still waited. The world waited in silence, not knowing the day or the hour in which their long-awaited Redeemer would come. And so the world did the only thing it could do. It waited. While evil reigned, while sickness and death had their laugh, and while sin wreaked havoc on God's masterpiece, the world could only wait. Knowing one day the serpent crusher, the, the Savior, the Messiah, the Redeemer, the one who would make all things new would eventually come. And come he did. That long-awaited day actually came. 
when the Savior came, the one in which all shadows point, the one who would crush the serpent, who would forgive sins, the one who would defeat death and hell and make the world right again came. He was finally here. There was even a star in the sky, a cosmic announcement to the world that the day had finally come. The king of the line of David, the one whom we've waited for, has finally arrived. But yet the masses did not come to sing his praise and bow at his feet. Yet no one knew. The moment history had longed for, and yet Mary and Joseph find no room in the end. They sit in a stable with the animals all alone, holding in their arms a newborn baby who was the king of the world. They held their son, knowing the day had finally come, and no one knew. The world had waited, but now the world went about their lives in ignorance. So God told some shepherds that, that wait, over there, the king had come. Go in haste and see. And, and they told everyone they saw. A few foreign astrologers saw the star and came to see the newborn king. But it was over a year later. The day the world had been longing for, for thousands of thousands of years had come, and virtually no one knew. And as the world moved on, the baby Jesus grew up. He started teaching about how to really understand the Bible and how all other religious leaders grew furious because they contradict, he contradicted everything they said. But yet a following grew around him and he picked 12 men to be his personal disciples. They watched as the long-awaited one touched the sick and were healed, how the lame walked and the blind could see and even the dead were raised. He could feed 5,000 people from a few fish and some bread. He could walk on the water. He could calm the seas in the midst of a storm. And even the demons fled from him. And so the crowds began to wonder, could this indeed be the one we've been waiting for? An outcast woman at the well was the first to proclaim, you are the Messiah. And then Peter, one of the twelve, said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then more and more began to believe, this is indeed the one we've waited for. And as he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, they did as the prophecy foretold and laid palm branches at his feet, shouting, Hosanna in the highest, our Savior has come. So the question arose, when would he raise up his kingdom? Where was his army? When would he overthrow the massive Roman Empire and make Jerusalem the capital of the world? We have waited so long, how much longer must we wait? When will this, our Messiah, rise to power? That question loomed in their minds as their awaited Savior was arrested in the middle of the night. As he was taken to a phony trial and sentenced to death for his crimes. What was his crime, you ask? The high crime of blasphemy. He defiled, defied their religious expectations and told the truth. And the truth which sets us free got him killed. He was the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Messiah. He was the long-awaited one, the snake crusher, the Savior. But he was not what they expected. So they saw the truth as a lie and thought he deserved to die. Imagine the confusion. Imagine the sadness and the sheer bewilderment as so many watched the long-awaited Savior, the King, the one in which they just shouted, Hosanna, now the crowd shout, crucify him. Imagine the confusion as he was beaten, as he was humiliated, 
forced to carry a cross, and then as he was hung by three nails, dripping with blood, suffocating in agony until death took him. Imagine the questions. We've waited so long. What happened? Did God fail? Was he not the one? He was supposed to crush evil, not be crushed by it. He was supposed to be the king of kings, that the government was supposed to be on his shoulders, not fall to lesser authorities. He was supposed to make the lion lie down with the lamb, not be a lamb led to the slaughter. How could he die? Alone in a room, scared and confused, perplexed, sad and paralyzed, they waited. Waited for what? They did not know, but they didn't know what else to do, and so they stood in a room and waited. Their hearts ached. They were broken. Was he not the one? Must we continue to wait for another? We were so sure. We were so sure that it was him. What now? What do we do? What can we do but wait? So the women went to the tomb to visit and honor him. They brought perfumes and flowers. But as they arrived, to their surprise, the tomb was empty. Grave robbers, thieves, scoundrels, who could have, who could have stolen the body of our Lord, they thought. Until they heard the voice of an angel say, he is not here, for he is risen. And beyond their wildest dreams and imaginations, wonders of wonders, he was the one. He was the Savior. He is the one they had waited for. He was the snake crusher because he wasn't dead. He raised others from the dead, and he himself now was raised from the dead. For three days they waited, but they knew not for what. But now they knew. They were waiting for a resurrection. They couldn't believe it. He was back. So now he must be raising his army, right? Now he's going to take back his throne and bring his kingdom to earth. Now he will heal the world. Wait, what? You're leaving? What do you mean you're leaving? You just got back. It's only been 40 days. Why are you leaving us now? You're, you're just here. Aren't you supposed to fix the world and rule now? You want us to go tell, you want us to go tell others about you? What do you mean? How are you leaving? Your work is not yet done. But it was, at least the first half of his work. The sins of the world had been paid for. The ancient serpent had been crushed, and even death itself was put to death. And there he went, ascending into the heavens. And the angel spoke, he will return in the same way that he left in the clouds. And so the church got to work, spreading the good news as Jesus commanded to all who would hear. And many believed and were baptized and joined the movement. And so for 2,000 years, the church has grown and led many to salvation, the forgiveness of sins, new life, but the work is not yet done, nor is the waiting. The waiting for the first advent was over, but the waiting for the second advent had just begun. And so we continue to wait. We await his second advent, his second coming, his return, when he comes to finish once and for all what he started. With his death, he put death to death, and with his resurrection, he began a new creation. He did not come to make new things. He did not come to throw away the world. He came instead to make all things new again. And we have here this great story. We who have believed long for the day when we are made new, resurrected, glorified, adopted, and get to go to our forever home. And so we Wait, today we wait, but we wait while we work and while we labor, labor, we preach, we serve, we share, while we look to the sky awaiting the next advent, 
the advent of his return. You see, redemption has been accomplished already, but it is not yet fully realized. Victory has been won, but the rebuilding is still underway. Like a wrapped present on Christmas morning with your name on it, the present is here, it is yours, it is just waiting to be opened. And so the kingdom of God is ours, it is secured. We just await for its final arrival. The world read the prophecies. The world knew the things the Messiah was supposed to accomplish. They just, not, they just did not realize it would take two trips. They did not know his first coming would be marked by servitude, humility, by suffering, and even by death. That his first coming would set the stage for all the rest that he came to do. That in order to rebuild the world, he first had to destroy evil's grip on it before he could remake us. He first had to destroy sin's grip on us. And the only way to do that was to come as a lamb and be devoured by the evil lion. Was to come as an innocent and yet be slain. Was to become the curse itself and to take that curse into the very depths of hell where it belonged. Sin has been defeated. Death has lost its sting. The powers of darkness have been destroyed. But yet still we wait. We wait So the rest of the world can hear of the wonderful story about how on Christmas morning a king was born who came to save the world. We wait so the world can hear and in hearing believe and in believing be made new and in being made new be made whole again. We wait so that the world might sing joy to the world the Lord has come. We wait so that the whole world may know that he came to make his blessings known as far as the curse is found. For if Jesus returned too soon, many who lived in ignorance would have been lost forever. And so he waits. The Lord himself is waiting. He waits until every tribe, every tongue, every nation can hear the good news, hear the story of Christmas, the story of Easter, the story of redemption. The Lord himself waits. And he will keep waiting until everyone who belongs to him finally comes home. And we continue to wait. We wait with the Lord. And as we wait, we serve and we preach and we look to the sky. We live in a time between the times, in a world between worlds. We live as citizens of a kingdom that is not here yet and reside as aliens and foreigners in a kingdom that we know will ultimately perish. And so we wait and we suffer and we long and we ache. We ache because we know the world should not be this way. We ache because we know the world will soon be fixed. We ache because pandemics and cancer and sickness and death will soon be a thing of the past, a thing of legend. We ache because broken families and broken relationships and broken friendships, because of deceit and envy and lies will soon cease to be. But now they hurt us and those around us to the core. We ache because men go off to wars that should not have ever needed to be fought. Because the only war that truly matters has already been won. We ache because this kingdom is not, is not our home. This kingdom is but a remnant hanging on for dear life of an old regime that has fallen. This kingdom is a thing of the past and we long for the future. We long for our home, our kingdom, our king to finally come so we can finally rest. Waiting is hard. It's hard because the brokenness doesn't have to be this way. It's hard because we know it soon will be undone. Because soon we know that all sad things will come untrue. 
but it's hard because we don't know when that day is coming. Will it be soon? Are we mere days away or is it weeks, months, years, or centuries? Many over the years have claimed to know the day of his return, a day not even the sun knows, but many have claimed to understand the signs of the times, looking to blood moons and decrypting biblical numbers they believe to be the code. Their predictions on the day have come and they've gone, and so they predict new ones. We are fascinated with such predictions because the waiting is hard, because we want nothing more than to see our Savior return and set the world right again. Waiting is hard, but waiting, not knowing the day for which you wait, is even harder. But we wait looking to the same sky the disciples did that day, knowing he will return in the same way he left, in the clouds. As we wait, many have claimed to be the returned Christ, but we know those are foolish claims. Because when he does return, this time, no one will miss it. No one will live in ignorance. No one will miss his coming. He will not come quietly in the night. He will not return in obscurity. He will not return in secret. It will not just be the shepherds who greet him upon his arrival. For when he returns again, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that this Jesus is Lord. And on that day, our lives will truly begin. And every day will be greater than the one before. And we all will finally and truly know what it means, when the, what the fairy tales say, when they say, and they lived happily ever after. Because in that kingdom, we will find the home we had always longed for, though now we can scarce imagine what that might be. It will baffle our small imaginations when we finally arrive on those majestic shores. On that day, we will wait no more. All waiting will be over for that which all history has been longing for, that which the earth itself has been groaning with the birth pangs has finally come, that to which all prophecy points, that to which God bled and died to make new, that kingdom, no, that home to which we were made for will finally be ours. And there at the end of the story, we will find that it is actually just the beginning that the end of the world is actually only the end of chapter 1. Actually, it's only the end of the first sentence of the first page in the story that God is telling. For eternity will be ours, and I can scarcely imagine the adventures we will go on together, the laughs we will have and the feasts we will enjoy when the next trillion years go by and we turn the page but to chapter 3. But for now, we wait. We wait because we do not know the day or the hour our Lord will return. But we know this. He will return. As sure as the sun rises, our Lord will return. And so though it's hard, we can do it. We can wait. Because the one who conquers death is coming for us. He is good. He is worthy. And he will not delay. He won't be late. He will arrive precisely when he means to. And so we can wait. We can do it because like the joy of a child on Christmas morning, the waiting and the longing will be worth the joy we have when that great day comes. And so we wait and we look to the sky and we pray, Lord Jesus, come. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for this Christmas morning. We're thankful that as the world waited, they did not wait forever because you actually fulfilled your promises and you came. We're thankful that as we gather this morning and sing these songs and see these smiles and this joy, the joy is a reminder of the thing you have done, the greatest gift that you have given, the gift of new life, of new birth, and of a new world made new. 
And so, Father, this morning as we sing and rejoice at your first advent, your first coming, help us long with awaited expectation. Wait for your second advent, your second coming, the day when you come to finish what you started and you come to make all things new. Oh, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Oh, what joy we will have when you finish what you began. Father, thank you for sending your son. Thank you for this day. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for, for the waiting for the waiting that was not met with silence, but the waiting that was met with fulfillment. Father, help us to keep waiting. And we pray, Lord, come. Jesus, come. Let every tribe and nation hear the good news. Stir their hearts to believe so that Jesus can come. In whose name we pray, all his people said, let's stand together and sing.